0: It's still here, hanging in there. Still here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we are on...
0: We haven't moved from this spot. We just changed our clothes. I hope you've appreciated our endless wardrobe. Yes. Of... We're running out. I was <laughs> <I'm still general. laughs> I've worn shirts. I've never... You know how you go in the store and you see a shirt or a piece of clothing. You, Ooh, I like that. You put it on. It looks kind of good. And then you get home in your closet. And for whatever reason, There's you never no wear it. It's yeah, like, no, nah, no, I'm not going to wear that one. I always go back to my... I'm more of a t-shirt guy. So, mm-hmm. and... My closet is so boring. It's like black, gray, and then there's some gray, and then there's some black, and then there's mm-hmm. various shades of black, and <laughs> some blue leaning towards gray. And But then I'll be in a store, and I'll see these, which is funny, I'm wearing black today, but I'll see these shirts with, oh, I need to get more color, more print, more something yeah. in my life, but I don't wear them. Yeah. So it's been great for these podcasts. You've, yeah. you've seen my whole wardrobe of shirts that you'll never see anywhere else.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. very true we're still wearing them tell me about this
0: oh how did you
1: go from a Viking fan
0: yeah how much time do we have a Uh,
1: Minnesota Viking fan growing up there moving to Texas you were kind of a Cowboys fan oh yeah a little bit through the 90s right and and during their glory years
0: yeah I grew grew up in Minnesota and and of course remember the you know late 60s early 70s especially in fact I've got a little helmet we'll probably put on here sometime on those little miniature helmets, my son-in-law, your husband, gave it to me. Maybe you gave it to me, too. I can't remember if it was both Probably him. him. Signed by the Purple People Eaters, uh, Carl Eller, Alan Page, Gary Larson, and Jim Marshall. Oh,
1: yeah. He waited in line a long time for that. Yep.
0: And, uh, and
1: we lived in Minnesota. I
0: was, man, I was a Vikings fan, especially when they played in the outdoor stadium at Bloomington. I was, I was sad, as were a lot of Minnesotans. Uh, yeah. We're a hearty breed. Mostly Swedes and Norwegians at that time. And, Used to uh, the cold. Yeah. I mean, we loved for, I remember oftentimes the uh, NFC championship in those years was Minnesota versus the 49ers or Minnesota versus the Rams. And of course, the California teams, if you'd read the press, they whining and crying oh, and yeah. complaining about the cold <laughs> weather. You know, we just, we were like, yeah, come on up here. Mm -hmm. You know, we'd go out in our shirt sleeves and the Vikings fans would sit in the audience, you know, be 10 below zero and they don't even have anything on their top, you know. So, that that were fun years. When they went to the indoor stadium, that took a little luster off it and some other things along the way. Plus, we moved away. We moved to Texas. And the fact
1: that they can never win. (laughs) No.
0: (laughs) Four Super Bowls, been to four, but...
1: Sorry, Adam. I I
0: know. (laughs) But hey, they've been to four. That's more than a lot of teams That's have ever even dreamed about. But those were good years. The early years were really fun. And we'll talk more about that when I have the, the Vikings on there. There's some fun memories from that. But we did move to Texas in 71 and slowly, reluctantly became a Cowboys fan. And then I did, actually did a couple of events with Coach Tom Landry. Mm-hmm. One was a fellowship of Christian athletes. One was a prayer breakfast in Fort Worth for the FBI and the Fort Worth Police Department. And... Coach Landry was asked to speak, yeah. and I was asked to sing and mm-hmm. share. He was a class act. Oh, he was. I mean, just the, the little bit of time we got to spend off the stage in the room, mm-hmm. you know, he always heard about that he was a solid Christian, but he mm-hmm. was. He didn't really care all that much to talk about all the football stuff. He wanted to talk about mm-hmm. the Lord, and uh, that really helped me become a Cowboy fan. In those early years, um, it, it was very easy. Those were just yeah. fun years. If you lived in Texas, especially in the Dallas area, which we did, and Coach Landry and all those great, uh, great teams, great defensive teams. Roger Staubach, yeah. uh, you know Randy White and Too Tall and Harvey Martin and uh, uh, Bob Lilly and you know just there's a bunch of Hall of Famers. It, it was pretty easy. Then as they went on, even through the '90s, I cheered for them. But the new era of ownership uh, kind of lost its luster for me, yeah. along with some other things. Yeah. Actually, it was your husband who called me my wonderful son-in-law, who was born in Wisconsin, not too far from Green Bay, bleeds green and gold, mm-hmm. and he was, everything was about the Packers. I never disliked the Packers. Even as a Vikings fan, I always thought, man, the Packers are such a solid organization. Um, but I just didn't have any real connection with them. Yeah. And so Jason got these tickets through his brother-in-law, Andy, for a Monday night game at Lambeau Field. I was out on the road somewhere and Jason called me, is there any way you could get here? Would you like to go game? To oh yes, I'd love to. Well, it turned out it was Monday night, Vikings Packers. Our seats <laughs> were like the second row, 50 yard line, perfect seats. It and probably snowed. It snowed. Mm-hmm. The guy you see on, if you ever watch a Packers game, there's probably more than one, but there's one guy that you see a lot, he's got like a wolf skin cap. And I actually was sitting right close proximity. I got my picture taken with him, you know. It was just the whole experience. The next day, we went uh, ate at Curley's Pub, went to the pro shop, and then we took a tour of Lambeau Stadium, which is, I haven't been to all of them, but I can't imagine a more impressive, historically significant, because Packers have won 13 world championships going way back, uh, four Super Bowls, but I mean, their their championship uh, lineage is second to none, literally. So you go through this museum, and the Lombardi, and the names, you know, from way back, and then a... Uh, toward the end of the tour you come out you can't go on the field but you come out the locker room and you see Lambeau Field spread out before you and I always say and I saw a bright light and gave my heart to Vince (laughs) (laughs) I write that in there I thought because like I said I've been aware of the organization if I remember correctly uh, the Packers are actually not they don't have ownership like every other team I think the team well the team is owned by the community really I've heard and someone can email in and tell us, but I think if the team ever sells, like the proceeds go to the local VFW hall or something like that's that. That's awesome. It's not a large market. Yeah. Actually, we're well, green...
1: sitting right in the middle of a little neighborhood. Oh, that, right? and that's what
0: was so wonderful. When we walked, we parked a few blocks away and you're walking through these neighborhoods where they're charging 10, 15, 20 bucks, where they can have three or four cars park yeah. on their yard. Then you get to the stadium, they're, they're tailgating all over the stadium. Uh, it, it's just, I think it's the best venue in, in the yeah. NFL. And, and actually all my family, both on my mom's side and my dad's side, all are from Wisconsin. They're my, my family heritage is all uh-huh. in Wisconsin. I was born in Minnesota. But my parents, uh, his parents, grandparents on both sides, all come from so Wisconsin. So you're just getting back to your roots. So I'm getting back to my That's roots. Good. I love Wisconsin, love the Packers. <laughs> well, our
1: kids have been on the waiting list for season tickets since, I mean, since Jason could sign them up for the waiting list, which right. probably was when they were inside of me. And I think we've moved up into the... Fifteen to twenty thousands
0: yeah. now, which yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, amazing. Well, this helmet—I <laughs> don't know if you can see—it's actually signed by Brett Favre and uh, the three championship, uh, three MVPs: '95, '96, '97. Three years in a row, he was MVP. Uh, fun, fun years to watch. It's yeah. always fun to watch Rogers. has been great, but Favre was special. He's one of those guys that, honestly, uh, and Just I truly believe this—if you'd have said, Brett, look, I'm sorry. We just can't pay you. We don't have the money. That's okay. I want to play anyway. Yeah. I mean, he really loved the game that much. And, yeah. Uh, that kind of won me over, too. The style of football was so fun. Uh, it was the perfect storm of going to the stadium where the Packers were at the time, becoming a little disenfranchised with the uh, The Cowboys team, I still follow the Cowboys and and watch them. I don't root against them, unless they're playing the Packers. Yeah. Then it's a no-brainer. But uh, anyway, that's how I ended (laughs) up there.
1: (laughs) That's fun. Well, today we're talking about At My Worst, You Found Me. And if you do not have this book, you really need to pick it up because this chapter alone is phenomenal. All the chapters are great. But this one is a really neat story. We're not going to rehash the story because someday Dallas may read the chapter to you.
0: Yeah, I, I think, think that'd that be a good be a thing. Good in fact, one of the things I'm planning on doing, because through the years I've, in my concerts, I've told some really funny stories. There's some funny episodes, and I've, I've kind of joked, but I've really been equally serious about it. Back in the days of doing albums, I said, someday I'm going to do a comedy album, because I was kind of class clownish in, in my early years, and I've always had a fairly healthy sense of humor. Yes. And so I thought, oh, I need to do that. So I'm, I'm, you know, in the process of doing these podcasts and other things. So we're going to have other things that will be available. There'll be some teaching things where people have asked, because I've always had a teaching, preaching ministry. Hey, I love your music, but I really love your teaching. Do you have any of that on tape? Well, I haven't had. Well, now yeah. we have the means whereby I can present some of these teachings and sermons yeah. that I've had through the years. So we're going to do that. But then we're going to do some funny stories too. But then, uh, like this, this is just a special. What was so neat about this? it's a girl named Gina who uh, without going into the whole story just uh had some very challenging issues kind of one of those uh, poor souls that we can all relate to that you know wasn't yeah. the most popular wasn't yeah. the most uh, equipped and in, in the eyes of others but uh turns out she could she she made a connection with music in particular and this song in particular <laughs> And ends up, it's just an amazing story. What was so cool about this is, as I was working on the book, I mean, right while I was literally working on the book, choosing what songs, what I would write, a lady sent this story in. Uh, just felt impressed to send me this wonderful story about a girl who had loved this song and how the song had impacted her life. And yeah. uh, you know, I, I don't want to give it away, but it's it's really amazing. And so that's why it ended up in the book. And and actually it's one of my, uh, you've heard me say this now three or four times, one of my favorite songs, but I mean, out of 250, 300 songs, at my worst to be up there pretty close to the top. Uh, Both because lyrically what it talks about, you know, at my worst, you found me for those people who always feel like I'm not good enough or I've gone too far or, oh, God couldn't help. God couldn't save me because, man, look what I've done. No. That's exactly the point yeah. where he can and desires to save us. Kind of like that old the song uh, they always sang for an invitation at the end of the Graham Crusades and many others. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, just as I am, without yep. just as I am. Yep. You know, no guarantees, no promises. Dirty, lost. Yeah. Uh, that's where he can do his work. So that really is what the song is about.
1: That's right, and it. it I mean, it must have come from. I I don't even know that you know how you wrote it, but I'm just thinking of Romans 5:8 that in while we were still sinners, yeah. Christ died for us. Yeah. It didn't. It wasn't because of anything we had done.
0: And that's usually when just I sing it. Now that's usually the scripture I reference yeah. before I sing it. I don't. We were talking earlier. Uh, you know, you'd think you'd remember the stories behind every song you've written, but mm-hmm. I really don't. Some yeah. of them I I know that I wrote them. I can maybe even remember kind of when or the geographically, where I was, but some I just don't remember specifically. Mm-hmm. I know we were doing the Tell Him Again album, so again, whenever we oh, would yes. do an album, you know, I had to write some new material. At my worst, came out, but I don't remember the specifics of it, other than it is a reflection of that scripture. Yeah. That, uh, which I always find that scripture to be, how do I say this? Okay, switching gears here a little bit. Growing up, I loved science fiction. I love Twilight Zone. I love, there was a program on uh, television called Alcoa Theater, I think it was, Alcoa Alone and Presents, and it was always uh, science fiction. A lot of times the theme in science fiction was parallel universes. Mm-hmm. And that remains kind of at times, there's these parallel universes, there's somebody like us, or maybe there's a time gap and whatever. I, I always found that a fascinating thing. Well, one day I was studying that scripture, and... Uh, where is that found again? Uh, Romans 5.8? Romans
1: 5.8. I, mean, I don't know. I don't God idea.
0: demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I thought, well, that's really interesting because while we were yet sinners, we when that scripture was written, we were at least 2,000 years away from yeah. even being born. But Christ died for us. Hmm. The, the tenses of the words, and it bears out in the Greek as well, there is that unique yeah. tense that... Uh, he, you know the one song I wrote. He knew me then. He knows me now. Uh, there is kind of that in, in a say It's not. Don't don't write many letters or email me. Dallas is into parallel universes, <laughs> but it's just interesting the way the verse is written. That God in in the present of that time included all, yeah, past, present, future, and uh, I think that scripture is incredibly. He, demonst- he demonstrates, not demonstrated as mm-hmm. though it historically did it which right. he certainly did, but he demonstrates, present tense, his mm-hmm. own love towards us, written to those who initially read it, and us, he died for us. Yeah. Uh, he, he did it over 2,000 years ago, but there is that sense of it is available right now yes. at the same time. So it's, it's, a, it's a rich, rich verse, and that really is the essence of, of the song. Um, I've often said, I like words, um, I wasn't ever really good with math. When algebra came along, I just fell off the train. But uh, English, sentence structure, literature, that that was in my wheelhouse. And and I've always liked words, Uh, the word redeemer, for example, we we throw it around easily. Um, It certainly has the sense that most of us understand to to redeem, like when I was a kid, we had uh, S&H green stamps, uh, gold bond stamps. You went to the gas station, went to the grocery store, and with depending on the amount of your purchase, you got so many stamps, which then when you got a bunch of stamps, you could put them in a booklet. <laughs> that was we'd sit down as a family with a sponge, or we'd lick them around. Okay, it's, come on, kids, is we're gonna lick the stamps tonight and put them in the books. And after you got so many books, you could go to the redemption center, the S N H Green mm-hmm. Stamp Redemption Center, and depending on how many books of stamps you had, you could redeem, or you could get. Uh, you know, my brother and I always wanted toys, but. You, folks wanted folding chairs or a folding Mm -hmm. table or things like that Mm -hmm. so a lot of our understanding of redemption is is like that kind of a transaction which it is but if you break the word down to deem to deem something is to make an authoritative proclamation about which there can be no discussion I uh, King Arthur deem the Sir Lancelot a knight of the round table there's no argument there is no vote King Arthur deems it so it is done God deemed before the foundation of the world that we mm-hmm. should be made in his image, that we should be his. His, mm-hmm. his love predates us, if you will. Uh, but in our sinfulness, in our waywardness, in our rebellion, we, as the prodigal, took our inheritance, that which was meant to be ours, and we squandered it and we wasted it. But by his Holy Spirit, Scripture tells us that no one comes to Jesus. I noticed this the other day. It was interesting. I'd never noticed it before. There's one verse that says no one comes to Jesus unless the Father draws him. There's another verse mm-hmm. that says no one comes to the Father unless Jesus draws him. Mm-hmm. And we know that the Holy Spirit woos and draws us. Mm-hmm. So he okay. He draws us as that, I like to use the imagery of the prodigal. he brings us to our senses and he redeems. Yep. In other words that which he had originally deemed he now redeems and that yeah. really is in essence what the word is about mm-hmm. and the song captures the redemptive processes and thoughts of the lord and that really is what the song is about to encourage people that because there is a lot of that thinking i've got to get cleaned up or i got to get right i've got to be better than i yeah. am i'm lost i'm too far gone no no mm-hmm. at your absolute worst uh, you know the scripture that he was forgiven much, loveth yeah. much. Uh, years ago, I worked with David Wilkerson for 10 and a half years. started in New York. You go to a prayer meeting at Times Square Church or Brooklyn Tabernacle mm-hmm. or Teen Challenge Center where you've got people that were drug addicts, prostitutes, murderers, yeah. the list goes on and on. You listen to how they pray and how they worship the Lord. Yeah. You talk about volume, talk about yeah. passion. Why is that? Is it just emotionalism? No. It's because they have yeah. been re- deemed from the pit and they know it he was forgiven much loveth much so you're never too far gone Uh, there are no hopeless situations in Christ Jesus
1: That's right. and with that I think I'll read the chorus because these words say exactly that why they worship so passionately at my worst you found me at my worst you died at my worst you loved me and at my worst you tried to tell me that the best thing I could do would be to give my life to you at my worst you loved me and now I love you too. Excellent.
0: Nice. Says it all.